0: Welcome back to well, that's interesting the it's raining men and a few cats edition
1: what <laughs> that's right. why is it raining a few cats <laughs> you know uh it's it's okay, it's a lot of cats. It's, okay. It's, it's a lot
0: of cats. We're gonna talk about a lot of cats okay for, for real.
1: now I'm just more confused <laughs> and concerned and so concerned about these cats <laughs> right.
0: uh today in between e zero forty five. Man survives 15,000 foot fall and a 24-hour cat curfew.
1: Do you like how I was more worried about the falling cats than <laughs> the falling man part? I was like, oh, "Move over. How are the cats?"
0: <laughs> and I just totally I got
1: it. I understood. <laughs> <laughs> we both just whizzed right by that. <laughs> That's
0: just, uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the very concerned
1: about the cats, Marissa Riley. Yes, I'm <laughs> only here for the cats. I'm kidding. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure the man was cool. I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm here for the man, too, I guess. Uh, if this is your first time listening,
0: welcome to the flock. Uh, Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. So you're probably just as concerned about the cats. Yes! <laughs>
1: Let's all worry about these cats together. Yes. Um, and the guy. And the guy. Okay,
0: so let's, <laughs> I guess we should get the guy out of the way first. <laughs> yeah. Get him out of the way. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's begin today's in betweeny by traveling back
1: in time just a bit to July 6th. Oh, my God. Why does it already feel like that was years ago? It was. It was
0: years was ago. Was that right? last week? I think so.
1: Mm, shut
0: your face. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't understand time anymore. Me either. Um, well, on this particular July 6th, it was a beautiful evening, and it's around 5 p.m. in the city of Atascadero. Mm. And where is Atascadero, you may be asking. I am. Great. All right. Not a problem. We can solve this. Everyone, think of the state of California. Okay. Point to Los Angeles, which okay. is pretty far south. Now move about 200 miles north, and here we are, Atascadero. Ah, good to know. Now you can also point to San Francisco, and then move your finger about 200 miles south, and you end up here as well. Fun fact, a Atascadero is ne- is nearly equidistant from those two
1: cities. Very so good to know. Dead smack in the middle. middle. Middle stop. Fun fact that you will never use. I know. So I'm not going to lie. I might forget this fact <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Uh, like we said, it's July 6th, so people are still out and about enjoying the last of their long holiday weekend. One of those folks was Rose Martin. Okay. Uh, who happened to have a front row view of what was about to occur. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Rose, along with several other residents, had noticed something falling from the sky and pretty damn fast. Okay. As luck would have it, whatever it was crashed through the roof and into the kitchen of Rose's neighbor, who wasn't home at the time. Now, although in shock, Rose shifted gears and into action, finding her way into her neighbor's home to see what the fuck just made a crater in the tiling and insulation of a house. Like so. a good neighbor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just joked, Rose Martin is there. That's Rose right. Martin is there. <laughs> I choked on my own joke. Okay. <laughs> so now, Dr. Marissa, I'd love to show you a picture of this scene, okay. of what Rose came across, uh, this photo, and... All of our photos, as per usual, will be on our media stuffs. so please follow along uh, on Instagram at WellThatSInterestingPod and on Twitter at WTI underscore pod. But in the meantime, Dr. Marissa, would you please just describe
1: who and what you see in this photo? Uh, Another one would make me happier. Here we go. All right, so I'm looking (laughs) (laughs) looking at a picture of a classic uh, suburban kitchen, if you think Suburban kitchen uh, then we are thinking of the same thing. Yeah. And in the middle of it on the floor is a bunch of rubble. Yeah. And in the middle of all that rubble is a man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's laying on his back. He's laying on his back. He's got all this gear. Um he's wearing like camo. Yeah,
0: that green military classic camo.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm guessing he came through the roof, yeah, there's like insulation and tiles and shit on the floor. Yeah, um, they're, they're not going to be happy to come home no. to this. It is a
0: lovely kitchen. There's some cacti, really nice in the back, very nice. Very well done, cute. Well done. Uh, this person, whoever you are. So, yeah. uh, so what exactly is going on here? Well, this crash happened 30 miles south of a military base called Camp Roberts. Ah, uh, I see. Yes. Yeah, so, I see. So, it I just so see what was happening. <laughs> it just so happens this soldier, who was identified by his uniform as belonging to the British Special Air Service, or SAS. Okay. Now, he was one of several Brits and American allies performing a group training of halo jumps, uh, high altitude, low opening jumps that
1: sounds like something i will never ever no, do sounds like do f- not try to make me don't
0: fucking nightmare stop
1: trying don't. to make me okay? <laughs> okay i'm not doing it <laughs> right. i'm not doing it in hawaii okay <laughs> a true story it's that a true story a- i didn't do it in hawaii
0: <laughs> i did swim with sharks though yeah we swam with sharks but yeah. with no cage that was fun
1: no cage i would
0: rather swim with beautiful dangerous animals than a uh, high altitude low opening jumps no no way for sure no yeah so also for our audience you're probably wondering what the fuck we just said we're talking about sorry about that anyway <laughs> uh you're probably also wondering holy shit is this guy okay and what the fuck is a halo jump it's something i'm never doing no so before we get into the sas soldiers condition let's break down what a halo jump is so we can grasp just how crazy this situation really and is. just
1: how yeah. much i'm not going to do this <laughs>
0: Okay, so high-altitude, low-opening jumps was a technique developed during a little war called the Vietnam War. Of
1: course it was. Where
0: nothing problematic happened. Nope. So as you can kind of tell by the name, the goal is to drop soldiers into an extremely hostile environment with little to no detection as possible, which means your plane is way the fuck up there, as high as 40,000 feet, and the soldier doesn't deploy their parachute until they hit 3,000 feet, to again, limit the possibility of being seen.
1: So basically, they're just waiting until the last possible yes. second to deploy their um, yes. parachute, aka the thing that is going to save their life.
0: You're exactly fucking right.
1: Yeah, I see. Yes, yeah. I, see. I see.
0: Exactly. Uh, okay. as in life, timing is everything. Deploy your shoot too early and you risk capture. Yeah. Deploy to, deploy too late and uh you can die. So, uh mm. that is of course if your shoot opens at all. Uh. This sounds like a lose,
1: lose, lose <laughs> situation. Uh,
0: Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us a little bit more about this training day and what didn't happen that fateful July 6th? Oh, no. so.
1: Yes, yes, I will talk about it. Okay, uh, quote, according to iflscience.com, quote, in this exercise, the paratrooper was reportedly falling from a more modest 15,000 feet only Uh, when the main parachute failed to open equipped with a reserve chute the soldier deployed it to slow the descent but it was unable to open in time to reach the designated drop zone instead the soldier fell rapidly and crashed through the roof of a a residential building which luckily had no one inside at the time where he was recovered by emergency services. End quote. What a mess! So oh, yeah, so <laughs> so uh,
0: now I think it's safe to say falling fifteen thousand feet into a ceiling seems really terrifying. Yeah, but good news—it's even scarier than you think. Ah. Uh. So, that's so
1: funny, because
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking it's very scary. <laughs> so, yeah, it takes about 12 seconds for a skydiver to hit terminal velocity, where your falling body tops off at 120 miles per hour. Wow. And get this, in 12 seconds, at that speed, you fall 1,500 feet. Oh, my God. Yeah. So oh, what my I'm, God. So what I'm saying is that the ground comes at you fast. When, a sol- uh, when that soldier reached 3,000 feet, he only had 24 seconds before he would hit the ground. <gasps> Just like you said. Yeah. Seconds. Seconds. 24 seconds before he hit the ground. Yo. Yeah. So thankfully within that time, he realized his main chute failed and was composed enough to pull the reserve. And although it was only partially deployed, it was enough to slow his body
1: and get this, help him survive the fall. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And just real quick, a reserve is what I think it is, right? It's a second parachute. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, you get it. How many parachutes do they have? I, do they have a third? I hope so. I, I do they have le- a plan C. <laughs> I would request a third. I would request a third, maybe a fourth. I, I would love it if, like, 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 the final and third option was to, like, um, like. Like, you know how a bouncy house is bouncy? Yes. Like a giant pillow or something? Like, what yeah. if they just deployed, like, a giant pillow right in front of them so that they would just fall into a cushion? You can hire me. My email address <laughs> is, uh, what if the government hired me because yeah, of know, my pillow The CIA plan? is just
0: like, oh, we've been
1: using LSD this whole time. We could just could have used bouncy houses. We could have just <laughs> used a bouncy house. That's right. You can call me. Email us at wellthatsinterestingpod at gmail.com. And that's right. And we can and, and I, I design will...
0: weapons for the military. That's yeah. great. <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. What have I done?
0: <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. So uh, where are we? Okay. So not only did he survive, but he was like, okay. What? <laughs> yeah. According to a statement by the Atascadero Police Department, quote, the parachutist was conscious but stunned with complaints of pain, duh, but no visible, serious injuries. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So basically he could just get up and go home if he yeah. wanted. So the worst possible, like the worst situation had like the best possible outcome. Okay. Not only uh, did the half open, oop, there's a pop-up. Fucker. Okay, so not only did the half open shoot save the guy, but also where he landed totally by chance Crazy. saved him. Now, Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us a little bit about,
1: about, more about this. Will do. All right. Linda Salady, the homeowner's mother, told local news station KSBY, uh, quote, he came through the roof, through the trusses, and there's not that much damage to the house. <laughs> it's amazing. It's mostly the ceiling, the sheetrock. He missed the counters, appliances, everything. That's right. And Quote, he did just fall on the floor. Straight to the floor. Perfectly on the floor. I mean, how... He missed the knives.
0: (laughs) Just so nice and British. so
1: polite. polite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just fell right to the goddamn floor. There was no other impacts. Uh, And if you think that's crazy lucky... This podcast wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't talk about the longest surviving freefall. Shut up. That's right. Oh,
1: wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you remember way back in episode 011, we talked about what would happen if your elevator Cable Broke? Yes. Yeah, we opened that episode with a story of Betty Lou Oliver, the elevator operator at the Empire State Building back in 1945. That's right. Now, she wasn't in an elevator when a plane struck the building. Uh, First responders put Betty into a damaged elevator in an attempt to get her down to the first floor. Now, that damaged elevator plummeted 75 stories or 1,000 feet but Betty survived that fucking impact, too. And to this day, she holds the record for longest survived elevator fall. Fuck yeah, now, Betty. Fuck yeah, Betty Lou. Now, that record belongs to a lady civilian. And wouldn't you know it, the longest surviving free fall also belongs to a lady civilian. What can't we do? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> she said with her uh, her arms wide open. Just, that's right. You want you a want fall? I'll give you a fall. <laughs> that's right. Here we go. Uh, Dr. Marissa, would you do the honor of telling us the story of Vesna Volovic, as
1: reported by IFL Science? Vesna Volovic. I would love to. All right. Quote, the longest surviving free fall without a parachute occurred on January 26, 1972, after a bomb exploding within the baggage compartment of a flight cruising at 33,000 feet caused the plane to rip apart trapping Vesna uh, Volovic. Uh after plummeting thirty-three thousand feet, uh the fuel the fuel the fuselage the fuselage, of course, nailed, nailed it. it. The fuselage hit the ground at an angle and the unconscious Vesna was found within. Scientists attribute her low, her low blood pressure resulting in her unconsciousness and preventing her heart from bursting open upon impact as the reason Vesna survived the fall. End quote. Boom. So she was, she was out. She slipped through it. Uh,
0: yeah, kind she of. was unconscious. She yeah. was
1: unconscious, survived. She fell 33,000
0: feet and survived. Uh, badass Vesna is totally badass. According to her wiki, she spent days in a coma and was hospitalized for months. Uh, She suffered a fractured skull, three broken vertebrae, broken legs, broken ribs, and a fractured pelvis. She was temporarily paralyzed from the waist down, but made an almost complete recovery. Shut the fuck up. Walking only with a limp. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Only a limp? That's right. Now, Vesna has no memory of the crash, uh, and when she recovered, she wanted to return to her beloved occupation as, you guessed it, a flight attendant. Shut the
1: fuck up. That's right. Sh- no. Yeah.
0: So if you have five minutes today, please check out Venza's wiki. Uh, believe it or not, the plane crash is just a fraction of what this woman lived through and fought for. She was fucking awesome. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. I think she passed away about three years ago.
1: So she probably lived yeah. a very long life, though. Yeah, she totally this, did. That happened in 72 and she just died. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy shit. So after the break,
0: more jaw dropping shit. We're heading over to Australia to confront one of its best killers, and you won't believe who it is. Ooh, right. Stay tuned, please do. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back, and we're staring into the eyes of one of the most successful killers on the planet. No, thank
1: you. (laughs) pass i don't want to do that
0: (laughs) uh that's right we're looking into the eyes of an animal whose success rate at catching prey is around 32 percent what yeah i don't know about you but trying to catch anything with your bare hands and no tools is really really difficult so getting lucky a third of the time is fucking bonkers that's
1: insane that is insane it is i also know where we're going with this (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy my friends that animal is a house cat. I knew it. Right. I knew it. It was because of the title. <laughs> oh. I Context clues. That's right. That's right. Just uh, amazing. So,
0: <laughs> uh, and these adorable little shits, and I say that with the, the most amount of love, uh, are becoming a bit of an issue in the land down under. What? Uh, let's head on back to July 9th this time, uh, again, just a few days ago, to a suburb east of Melbourne, to Knox, Australia. Uh, if you picture Australia... Point to the very, very southeast
1: corner, and there it is. It's right there. Oh. Yeah. I, also, before we go forward anymore, I have a hard time realizing that cats are a bad thing in Australia. Aren't there like mosquitoes the size of dogs there? <laughs> like it's, everything is the size of a dog there. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Tell me more about these evil cats.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, according to uh, the Knox City website, knox.vic.gov.au, you know the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, quote. Residents will be required to keep cats on their premises at all time under a new curfew coming into effect on October 1st, 2021. Oh my God. Knox City Council Mayor Lisa Cooper said the 24-hour cat curfew is designed to protect cats and local wildlife. Oh. End quote. Okay. Okay. Now, this isn't the first time Knox installed a curfew for cats. Last year, they actually tried a trial run requiring c- cats to be confined to a homeowner's property between Sunset and and sunrise so basically overnight
1: yeah okay Um,
0: now throughout that trial the community uh was surveyed and more than 86 percent of respondents supported this curfew okay and actually noted a preference for a 24-hour curfew over a nighttime curfew oh and get this nearly half of the 720 residents uh surveyed were cat owners themselves interesting super interesting now Dr. Marissa, if you could shed a little light on why the city of Knox and most of its residents are in support of
1: keeping kitties inside. Of course. All right. Quoting the Australian National University website, quote, pet and feral cats together are killing over two billion reptiles, birds, and mammals per year in Australia. What? And most of these animals are natives, according to the new book uh, written by three of Australia's leading environmental scientists. The book, Cats in Australia, Companion and Killer, compiles key findings from hundreds of studies and management experience about cats across Australia. End quote. What? Two billion. Two billion? A year. What the fuck? Yeah. Cats? Yeah, amazing. I mean, <laughs> they can be little shits, but like, they're out there fucking killing like <laughs> reptiles? Yeah. What mammals are they killing other than
0: uh, mice? There's so many mammals. Oh my God. Uh, now, one of the authors envir- and environmental scientists, Professor Sarah Legg of the Australian National University, ANU, breaks it down for us even more. Because wrapping her head around two billion creatures a year is kind of hard, so she explained it on a smaller scale. Okay. Uh, she told the ANU, on average, each feral cat in the bush kills a whopping 740
1: animals a year. What? Yeah. So. That's, and wait, yeah. each feral cat. Yeah. So one cat is killing 740 animals. Yeah. A, a year. That's a feral cat. Yeah. That's more. It's like two a day. Two a day. Yeah
0: about more yeah jesus Uh, no about two a day yeah yeah you're right okay uh any any year with average conditions there are about 2.8 million feral cats but that figure can double when good rain leads to an abundance of prey animals uh Mm. on average each pet cat kills about 75 animals a year shut the fuck up but many of these kills are never witnessed by their owners (gasps) Uh, so that's what she's reporting and are they
1: are they killing like kangaroos Baby Joey's. I don't know. I mean, there's I just there's imagined a, a cat like taking attack, down. taking down <laughs> I bet you they could. Like can. with the running start taking down a full-grown kangaroo cuz that's the only animal in Australia. I'm just kidding. But that was the first when when an American thinks of Australia, they think of a kangaroo and I could I would totally bet money on the
0: cat. I would I,
1: I mean, I don't want to see any animal get hurt. But if someone did have a video of that, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. They're pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: Um, now, when you add up each cat and all their kills per day, my friends, that's 3.1 million mammals, 1.8 million reptiles, and 1.3 million birds dying each day in Australia alone. That's wild. It's fucking bonkers. Um, and it 's not the cat 's fault okay it 's yeah. our fault as human pet owners, and the city of Knox wants to undo this level of predation. so a curfew will be officially uh, will officially be law in October, but even in the smallish city of Knox. Population of around 160,000. This is causing some controversy. Uh, Opponents question what effects this will have on cats used to being outside. Effects like anxiety and stress. Uh, The city of Knox is like, look, cats can still go outside. They just need to stay on your property. Yeah. Uh, They suggest cat enclosures and cat. Proof fencing is some ways to stop a cat from wandering. Uh, structure is similar to what you'd use with a dog, basically. Yeah. So they're like, the way you'd treat your dog outside, treat your cat the same way. It's basically what they're requesting. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I'm quite sure there's a happy medium between uh, all parties. And quite honestly, I think a cat is happy being an adorable jerk inside or out.
1: Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think they care. I don't <laughs> think they care either. <laughs> If anything, I feel like they would prefer the inside because it's cooler there. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Or warmer. depending on the time of year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just, they're just, uh,
0: they're fine. <laughs> they're going to be <laughs> they're fine. They're going to be fine. They love you and they don't care at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a beautiful <laughs> relationship. So oh,
0: uh, wrap your head around those fucking numbers and that news and thank you for listening subscribing rating uh such a big deal
1: so so amazing uh we're watching these numbers go up and we're just so excited and and so
0: thankful yeah thank you uh and please stay interesting please do